Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Carmel Zuba from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, the sports editor for the newspaper, bringing you another edition of the Red Raider Podcast after a bye week. So I was nice enough to give David Collier and Ryan King, Ryan King, of course, from KLBK Sports. He's their sports director. And uh, David Collier, KMAC, Red Raider Nation, all the other jazz and stuff, gave you guys a week off. What would y'all do with that uh, Saturday off? Collier, uh, what would you do? I was uh, I was in uh, Weatherford watching softball all weekend, so that was my weekend off. Being a dad, I'm I'm, I'm surprised you didn't give me any updates. Did you? Get- yeah, I left you guys alone. I figured it was your weekend off too. We we did win the uh, platinum division of the 18U tournament with mostly 16U players, but enough about there that. There you go. And Ryan, how did you enjoy your college football weekend? Uh, so my parents were in town, just got to hang out with them, went to the corn maze, um, took about an hour to get through. It was honestly up till, uh, there's 10 clues up until like clue nine. It was pretty easy. Yeah. Last two incredibly difficult, probably passed clue nine, like three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last clue, wasn't the last clue something like, when was the last time UTEP won five games in a year? And you couldn't <laughs> it, was, it was something like that. I was like, man, none of these are correct. It's all saying one, two, and three. None of these are right. Uh, but then I watched Georgia, Alabama, uh, Saturday night, that was a really fun game. But that, that was about the weekend. Oh, and the Packers played yesterday, but whatever. Um, that <laughs> was, sure did. That, that, was that, whole, that was that whole weekend. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, the bye week's over, so that means that we're going to be talking some Texas Tech football. They are hosting West Virginia, who has a familiar name on the head coaching list, that being Neil Brown, a former assistant for Texas Tech. David Collier probably has some B-roll on him, so I'm sure he'll use that throughout the week. But – David, uh, in terms of what Neil Brown has brought to West Virginia, I know it's barely his second year, kind of like how Matt Wells is kind of instilling what he wants to do at Texas Tech. I guess what, what, what do you remember from Neil Brown? and What have you kind of known about him throughout his career when he was at Troy and then obviously just kind of, kind of working his way up as well? I think the thing that sticks out and for a lot of Red Raider fans was their their version of the air raid offense, which they called the NASCAR offense. And Eric Monroe actually talked about that briefly, the, the difference between an SEC uh, offense and their offense. It's just that fast pace. Theirs is one of the ones, though, that just gets you to the line, and then they sit there for a while and decide to f- what exactly they want to run. So it's fast pace, but not really, um, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, he he really didn't have a chance to instill his offense here. I think a lot of people would uh, agree. It was more Tuberville telling him, hey, don't throw the ball as much. So we didn't really get to see the real Neil Brown. I think we saw him. <clears throat> excuse me, more so at Troy and what he was able to do there and obviously came away with a, a big win against what LSU that kind of helped mm-hmm. him land this job here at West Virginia. But yeah, I don't know that we really saw the real Neil Brown here at Texas Tech. Well, when they do see the real Neil Brown, which a lot of people did see last weekend against Kansas, granted everyone kind of gets their way against Kansas this year um, and previous years as well. 
Ryan, a guy that you and I know pretty well because we covered him a couple times. Jared Dagey is now the starting quarterback with the Mountaineers. Uh, I guess what, what have you seen from him? I know you watched the game against Kansas. It seemed like I know everyone's going to talk about Letty Brown running over the, the Jayhawks uh, offense with his speed and obviously his vision, but Jared Dagey was also uh, very accurate in that contest. Yeah, Jared Dagey uh, didn't have the honor of getting to cover him in high school, obviously. But oh, uh, in college, it felt like when Austin Kendall was the guy last year. I uh, know you're good. Austin Kendall was the guy, um, and it just felt like they were erratic, whether it was him or it was the offense, who knows. But it really felt like Jared Dagey has been a steadying force to that offense, whether it's him making plays or just not turning the ball over. In that game, I guess you didn't catch that as much. Against Kansas, they were down early. It was either 10 nothing or 14 nothing, like pretty quick. But then West Virginia comes right back out. They, they slowly go down the field. They score. He has been accurate. He's played well. And something that I think is really good for a guy in his stature is the moments don't get too big for him because I think he's had to work for every single thing he's gotten, whether getting to Bowling Green, getting to West Virginia, getting the starting job. He's always having to come, overcome adversity in his career. And I think that's really set him up. That he, you know, Every coach preaches it all the time. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. I really don't think – I think Jared Dagey absolutely exemplifies that. And he has been accurate. He's made good throws. If you've watched West Virginia throughout this year, this isn't just handed off to Letty Brown and then hit some wide-open guys. Like, he has made good throws. He's also mobile, more mobile than you expect. I guess some people would say deceptively mobile. Um, but he's he's been a good quarterback for them. And it's cool to see a, a local guy do well. I'm sure the people here in Lubbock have enjoyed it up until this week. Um, but he really, I think, has brought a, a steadying force. And he's been a good player for them. He hasn't just been a game manager. He's been a good player to pair with uh, Letty Brown that makes that offense pretty good. Letty Brown, I know we're going to hear a lot about him. Eric Monroe talked about him a little bit in terms of just what he's been able to do, David. I guess for you, the way that Texas Tech has been able to play some of the top running backs in the conference, obviously Brees Hall with Iowa State. Now you got Letty Brown with uh, – the Mountaineers, he's the second leading rusher in the Big 12. How have you kind of seen this Texas Tech defense take on the rush attacks for the Big 12 offenses? Because I know a lot has been made about the pass defense not kind of living up to par, so to speak. Well, I think I think Ryan would agree. Maybe they haven't done it, done the best job of slowing down the run games of those two teams. And you, you talked up Jared Dagey quite a bit there, Ryan, but I think uh, if it's up to – Coach Patterson and the, and the rest of the defensive staff, they'll, they'll gladly take Jared Dagey beating them on Saturday at Jones Stadium over having to uh, look at the stat sheet and see Letty Brown put up 100-plus yards rushing and what – he I think he's the fourth leading receiver on that team too. That might be yep. just as much of a problem as well. So uh, I think it's just another thing. But like you said, at least they faced a couple of these guys so far and we'll see if this guy – is maybe the third time's the charm whenever you're trying to slow down a rushing attack. But, yeah, that, I think that's what you want to do. You want Jared Dagey to beat you, not Lady Brown. That is a tough call, though. You know, you go Deuce Vaughn, Brees Hall. I mean, that, that, is, that is a tough – I mean, you still have Chuba down the road, too. Don't get me wrong. But, like, there's a lot of running backs in this conference. But, man, they have not gotten an easy one yet. And Letty, and what's funny, Letty Brown might be, of the three, <laughs> the worst of the three, and he's still really good. So I guess yes, it's not a good it's not a good draw for him. That's for sure. And it, thankfully, besides when we get to Chuba, you know, maybe it, it lets off a little bit, and they they deal with the actual passing teams in the conference. Well, one of the big positives right now for Texas Tech is they've got a couple home games. Obviously, the first one being against West Virginia. 
this weekend. Then after that, they have a big game against Oklahoma on October the 31st, Halloween, that being a 7 p.m. kickoff, as was announced today, Monday, when we're recording this. Uh, we'll talk about them, obviously, next week. We're still sticking with West Virginia, but the big storyline that I'm sure will be talked about throughout this week, even though it was really uh, mentioned last week by Matt Wells during his press conference on Zoom, was that Henry Columbia will be starting this game against West Virginia. I know we've talked to probably ad nauseum about it, but it seems like uh, the coaching staff feels like they need a spark in this offense. They need a guy that has been providing positive impact when he is on the field with the offense, which as uh, he, as coach Wells had mentioned, every time Henry Columbia was on the field, good things happened. And unfortunately, uh, Alan Bowman uh, was unable to do that. And it wasn't a matter of uh, that Henry Columbia, I guess, uh, overtook him. It's just he was playing well. And Matt Wells mentioned that. Alan Bowman's a good quarterback. He's obviously saying all the, the right things, all the nice things, but clearly there was a difference when Henry Columbia was on the offensive side of the ball. Some of the players, when we've asked them, have mentioned it seems like he uh, gets his read recognition pretty quick, so I think that's going to be something that people will notice. He obviously can run the football uh, with his legs. He's a dual threat uh, quarterback. Allen can do that, but necessarily he's a much better pocket quarterback. You will realize that when you see the accuracy of his passes when he does make them. But in terms of uh, what Henry Columbia brings to this team, Ryan, I guess what are you expecting to see from him with his first collegiate start uh, after his time with Utah State behind Jordan Love with your beloved Green Bay Packers now? Uh, what, what do you expect to see from Mr. Uh, Columbia going into this weekend? Uh, not 17 NCAA leading interceptions that we saw with Jordan Love. But anyway, with Henry Columbia, uh, I, it is funny. There's no – there's no like, I don't know how you ask it to Allen – or to, to Henry without it being like a slam to Allen. But it did feel like both games that he came in, the offense just – they steadied out, they slowed yep. down, they made the right plays. And just what, what I keep pointing out, it feels like he gets more guys involved. Like, it's not the same two or three guys over and over – they spread the ball around. You're right. He can run. It just feels like the offense is smoother and more dynamic with, with him in there. And both times he came in, I guess, when it's one game, maybe you can make excuse for it. I guess that's why they're going to him now is two different games in a row. When Columbia came in, the offense looked better. It looked more dynamic. It looked, in my opinion, what Coach Wells and Coach Yost want the offense to look like. That That is – he's making the offense more of what their vision for it is. And it, it will be interesting. It's kind of like a Nick Foles situation. Nick Foles – came in and was really good. But then when that first week he was the starter, it was a different dynamic. He didn't play well. So I'm very curious to see if Columbia, if it's coming in, you're showing a defense, a different guy than they've been preparing for at least most of the week for. I'm curious now that this, since this was announced, what, last Wednesday? Yes. Uh, West Virginia's going to have 10 days to get ready. And so it's very curious to see how they're going to, how uh, Columbia's going to respond to a defense that's ready for him and not the possibility of him or Alan Bowman. But yes, it, it just seems, in my opinion, he fits the offense better. He's had more time in at least longer ago, you know, than, uh, than Alan Bowman. And he just brings a different dynamic. And we all thought this might be coming. I think that the coach staff finally thought it was time to pull the trigger. But in my opinion, for what that's worth, I do think it's the right call. I do think he's the better quarterback. And maybe we'll see a different Texas Tech team out there and get that first Big 12 win. David, uh, Ryan brought up a, a very good point, and I think the, the correct term, dynamic, I think, uh, yes, while West Virginia has had that extra time to prepare for him, Henry Columbia has had the extra two weeks to prepare to be a starting quarterback, which I think really sets him up at least for, in that term, some success. From your view, 
in the press box or kind of watching the previous games. And at least from my view, I don't know if you agree with it, but it seems like defenses are a little bit more hesitant to obviously not just focus on the pocket because they know that he can run. And it, and I thought the, the best example of it was when Texas Tech went for two against Iowa State and they had that running that running motion. You were kind of watching the running back. Columbia could obviously run. And I think that's what he brings to this team is that the defense now has to account for another player that can make plays with his legs. I don't know if you feel the same way or if there's something else that you saw that makes Henry Columbia make this offense kind of hum a little bit better. No, I think that's definitely a dynamic that the defense has to worry about that they, I mean, we, we can talk about Allen running the ball and he kind of joked, I think that first game of the year when he had that long run about, you know, not many people think he can run the football. I think they're two completely different levels of runners, yeah. um, but he, he gives you that, that fear that he's going to run. Allen, I don't think ever gave you any, inclination that there's a possibility I'm going to pull this down and run. He's just going to dump it off to a running back and let them do their job. Right. So, I mean, I think that helps against the pass rush. I think it definitely helps, you know, um, maybe getting, getting the ball, you know, down the field a little bit more. I think that's the thing that I like more about him. The, the fear of him running definitely helps, but I think the, the, the chances of the Red Raiders maybe throw the ball down the field. I know that's not David Yost's offense per se, mm -hmm. but it, it seems like it was, I don't want to say non-existent, but it, it definitely looks a little bit better with Columbia running it so far. And to be fair, like you guys just mentioned, he is doing it off the bench. But I think he knows that the coaching staff is going to stick with him if he struggles in this game. That certainly sounded like the case when Matt Wells was talking about it. So he's got the confidence in the coaching staff, so he can throw it downfield. Now, saying that, you, you throw a couple interceptions, and that might change my perspective, but – you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's, like Ryan said, he's worked the ball around to a handful of different people, and he's seemed like he's been able to find people uh, regardless of who's out there. I mean, it seems like the offense struggled without Keyshawn Carter out there when Allen was running it. It was a little bit better with Henry out there with no Keyshawn Carter. It's funny you mentioned Keyshawn Carter because he's one of the H – Wide receivers that is uh, hopefully in or out. We'll see, obviously, uh, once the game starts. Matt Wells had mentioned that there were some guys that could, that they would know a little bit more about some of those guys. I know Don had asked about him. Dalton Rigdon, McLean Maddox uh, was another one that Wells had mentioned that they may know more information about him uh, in the middle of the week. But certainly those are guys that you need in that offense. But I think uh, one other uh, option or playmaker, if you will, if that is uh, applicable at this point that Henry Columbia really featured when he was on there was the tight end position, John Holcomb, Travis Coons. I think that could be something that maybe if uh, West Virginia is just focused on slowing down that over the top attack, if, if that is a possibility there, David, you're going to have a lot of stuff open down, down in the middle of the field. See if you can get those guys, you know, they're not necessarily going to make those uh, big, fantastic 15-yard plays, but they will find some five-yard, six-yard, seven-yard plays that can still move the offense, still keep your passing game uh, working. But I, I certainly think the fact that uh, Henry Columbia can run the football if everyone is covered, I think that is certainly a, an added factor that will help. And I think we all forget, too, that Roger Thompson is still a top-five running back in the Big 12 Conference, so you certainly have someone that could uh, be a – game breaker in that sense but unfortunately uh, we, we all saw it happen when they went against Iowa State so we'll see what the uh, number 
number one uh, passing defense can do against Texas Tech because that's, I think, going to be one thing to watch for is how does this West Virginia defense adapt to this Texas Tech offense, which, for lack of a better term, hasn't been that efficient up until Henry Columbia's been out there. And it'll be interesting to see how they go. I guess for you, Ryan, what are some matchups you're looking at to kind of wrap us up here in this podcast that you're looking to see if if this happens, Texas Tech is in a good way, or if this happens, West Virginia's probably gonna gonna be in a good way. Well, we were talking to Henry Columbia. I thought it was just really interesting with not to generalize it too much, West Virginia's defense, Tech's offense, but when you get into that, West Virginia have is the best sacking Big 12 defense. Yeah. Texas Tech, they avoid those sacks with those quick passes and all that. And also, Henry Columbia was talking about it, that West Virginia pass defense is number one. And I really think there's a correlation when you're getting that much pressure on the quarterback, the defensive backs can be more aggressive. They don't have to give you as much space so they can bat those balls down. They can get the turnovers. They can get right on you because they know that quarterback's not going to have a whole lot of time. So if Tech can get those balls out quickly, if they can avoid those sacks, and even beyond that, if they can prolong those plays, maybe you put some pressure on the West Virginia passing defense that they haven't had as much. Because uh, even against OSU, OSU was not passing the ball all over them. They were they were struggling to move the ball down the field. So I'm, I'm very curious to see, does West Virginia get Henry Columbia and that offense rattled by sacking him, getting pressure on him? Or can they get the offense rolling? Can they get the ball out quickly to where West Virginia can't be as aggressive and they're allowing maybe shorter passes? Maybe they can pull a few deep on him. And I'm just curious, who gets the advantage pressure-wise? Is it West Virginia rattling Tech or – does Tech avoid all of that pressure? And then maybe, just maybe, West Virginia's passing defense isn't as dominant because they're not getting that pressure on the quarterback and, you know, getting them rattled. So that, that's what I'll be looking for. From your perspective, David, what do you feel is going to be a matchup you're watching? I know you talked about Neil Brown's uh, NASCAR offense that you had watched. Obviously, you've seen Sir Roderick have good and bad games. You've seen the, the passing attack work uh, with Allen and without Allen and with Henry and kind of other things. I guess what, what are some things you're looking at? Well, I'm, I'm going to go to the, the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I think Eric Kelly asked a question about, you know, those grad tra- or the transfers uh, in Tyree Wilson and uh, Colin Schooler getting more time. And I think those guys are going to be needed, especially like we, we can go back to the run game. I know that's going to be boring because we talked about it a moment ago. But if you can't stop them running the football and, and eating up the clock, you know, I, I think that's going to be a problem because what if Henry Columbia needs to come back, you know? He needs more time out there to to get in rhythm with the offense. I I just think uh, if they're not able to stop the run game and Neil Brown can control the clock, it, it might be a, a, another tough day for the Red Raiders. Saying that, I I do think that uh, I do think if you can make you can put it on the shoulders of Jared Daigie, I think you're you're in a much better situation uh, against him than uh, maybe some of these other quarterbacks that you face in the conference. And that's nothing against Jared Daigie. I just think. That's that's what they want to do. I continue to harp on that, but I would I would much rather have Daggy come home. Because think about it, he's coming home, he's playing in front of the home crowd. He's going to be hyped up just like Henry Columbia is for his first start since high school. I, I think that both of these quarterbacks could be prone to mistakes early on, and if you can get Jared Daggy to m- make a mistake early, maybe uh, you can get out in front and not have to have to deal with that Letty Brown run game. Once again, that's David Collier, KMAX Sports Director, also on Red Raider Nation. You can also catch him at a random softball field on the weekends watching a 16 and under softball team. He'll also text you any uh, updates about how his uh, how his people do as well. I always appreciate that. And then, of course, Ryan King, KLBK Sports Director. 
you can watch him every night along with David. I believe uh, one is uh, around six and ten. Is it both of you? Yeah, yeah, we're like six twenty-five. Maybe college a little more like six twenty. What two? Six twenty-three, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Twenty-two, twenty-three. You know, just you, know you guys get about five minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, local university will usually send an email right when my sportscast starts. So you just go check your emails. There you go. Yeah. Once again, appreciate both of y'all uh, joining us for the Red Raider podcast. Don't forget to like us, subscribe to us, and if you are, we appreciate it. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating, comment. Make sure that people know about us. And then, of course, share all that information on the Twitterverse, Facebook, and all those other things. If you need some other information, you can follow Don Williams at AJ underscore Don Williams and get all of the information that he provides at LubbockOnline.com, where you can pick up the newspaper each and every day. Once again, I'm Carlos Silva, the sports editor for the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, bringing you another edition of the Red Raider Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.